Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, what up? It's your boy Brian Cox, man. I'm here on the BTM show joining my boy Two Time, my boy Takio. BTM is not a sex show, it's a really nice podcast with my people dropping knowledge. Let's go behind the mask. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their business and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Mask podcast. Plus size model, this is a big episode for us right here. Oh yeah, most deaf, most deaf, man. It's rarely we get former teammates one of the greats in the building, one of the homies in the building, coming by to grace our presence. Well, well, let's get everybody familiar with him before we introduce him. One of the most physical and intimidating linebackers to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. The only reason, to be completely honest with you, why my co-host ain't scared right now is because he actually knows him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome three-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion to the Behind the Mask Studios. Man, y'all give it up for Brian Cox. The Cox family. Man, man, I'm telling you, man. It's it's, it's incredible. Former teammate. You wore 51 because of me. So it's, uh, it's great to be here with you guys. No doubt, no doubt. Damn right, bro. Like we in the building, like this, this, this been a long time coming. We had to work out some kinks. We had to rearrange the schedules, but we finally got the presence of greatness in this building, man. And we gonna take advantage of it today, too. Whatever you want, bro. You know how we do. No doubt. We gonna chop it up. Got to. It's a must. (laughs) It's a must. must. Well, this segment is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. And this segment is called This or That. So we're going to give you two options for you to go with. And you got to choose one or the other. You got to choose this or that. Okay. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no, you know, balancing the scale, riding the wave. And we know you're going to keep it 100 and okay. go behind the mask. So go ahead, Spice. Take it away, brother. If you were a GM and you had to choose a head coach to lead your football team, who would that coach be? Don Shula or... Bill Parcells. <laughs> right off the bat. Man, I have so much respect for both of those gentlemen. Coach Shula's passed on. Um, I would probably have to say Bill Parcells just because of our personal relationship. Yeah. Um, he is the important or dominant father figure, role model in my life, so I don't make a decision without talking to him. Coach Shula, um, I appreciate and would probably die for, Mm -hmm. but the personal relationship with Parcells probably overtakes the relationship that I had with uh, Coach Shula as much as I love him. Yeah, man. Gave you a shot when you first got to the league, too, right? Taught me how to be a man. Yeah. Taught me how to be uh, accountable and responsible. Um, and the thing that I remember most about him was he always would call you in and he'd cuss you out and you could cuss him back out. You could say whatever you wanted, but he always ended it with, I love you. Let's get ready to play this week. And I so appreciated that. I wish, um, that I was more mature at the time that he didn't have to call me to the office as many times. But he had my back, and I knew he had my back. Because okay. he, he would tell you. Like, I would sit in the office, and he'd be cussing me out. And I remember sitting in the office and him calling uh, Ronald Reagan while I'm sitting in the office. President. Yes. <laughs> I'm sitting in the office. And I remember him calling Commissioner Tagliabue um, one time when I got fined, and he told him what the fine was going to be. You gonna find him this and this is this, and I don't want to hear this shit no more, and that's the end of it. Yeah. And that's what I got found. 
So when you're talking about a guy that had ultimate power, um, class, uh, you never heard anybody say anything about him cheating or stretching the rules or doing anything, he was a real gentleman. He was a real uh, man among men. Back then, all the coaches were in their 60s. Now it seemed like everybody in their 30s. Yeah. And I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. Crazy. Yeah. By the way, I didn't get no Tito's. Tequila <laughs> gave me water in this cup. And this BTM is like, you know, <laughs> like we in a dungeon with sex slaves. Or <laughs> well, we got you covered, man. Say the word. We'll make it happen. It ain't nothing. You don't know bust me out on my own show. Bust you out on your own show. This guy, man. Oh, man. Hey, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. And, and, uh, my brother, I greatly that, appreciate it. Yes, sir. I greatly yes, appreciate sir. it. And, yes, sir. And, and what I really appreciate it about is um, this goes back to the humble beginnings of, like, I've all, like, everybody knows you. But, mm-hmm. like, even when we when we first met each other, when both of us was in rehab, mm-hmm. and that was my first not, time. Not drug rehab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rehab and injuries. Injury. He was doing the shoulder, rehab. and I had an ankle. But, uh, you know, but it, it goes all back to that, man, the influence, being able to learn how to be a pro. And that's one of the things that the reason why I'm glad you came on today, because a lot of people don't know. Like, they, on, they only believe the hype with the media – shares with them mm-hmm. we're part of the media now so we don't tell the story from the first person from your perspective mm-hmm. and i'm gonna tell it from mine but the days that we had working out rehabbing going to eat i learned more just about the game and how to conduct yourself and how to navigate through mm-hmm. all of the bs just from having lunch with you so i appreciate that bro for real well, i appreciate it man i, I uh, you always like my little brother and when you were in a situation where you weren't happy in Cincinnati and you were trying to navigate your way, how am I going to handle this? I'm saying, hey, don't be like me. Because if you're like me, ain't nobody going to want to touch you. And just I remember those conversations that yep. we were having. True. And, and saying, hey, man, you got to go about your business this way. You got to handle it this way. Um, one of the things that, that um, I don't necessarily regret, but I wish that I could take back is – I never got the credit for being the intelligent player that I was because people always wanted to go to the animalistic side of me when I was going nuts or going off the rails, which is one of my faults because when I get mad, ain't no stopping me. We we going, we going to take it all the way to the Yeah, it's hot sauce with you. So people never gave me the credit for being the intelligent player that I was, and one of the things that I so appreciate that I, I, I didn't do justice to was I learned from Joe Green and what Joe Green taught me, I tried to pass down to you and other people like I was. Ray Lewis, when he was at the University of Miami, him and Rohan Marley would come to my house and we'd stay up all night watching football. We'd watch film. And so the knowledge that I learned from Joe Green and others, because I learned more about football at the Pro Bowls than I did from coaches, and I had some awesome coaches. But players learn more from players. Yeah, and very so, true. You know what Joe Green taught me, I passed on to you and others, and it's just the right thing to do. It's the way that you go about business. You pass on that knowledge. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You definitely a wealth of knowledge. So, well, I appreciate know. that. I appreciate that. And that ain't age. That's wisdom, right there. That's yeah, good, I, good. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, you know, is is the the one thing about it is when you live in your passion and your purpose preach it becomes easy like football was never hard for me because it was my it was my first wife mm-hmm. you know baseball was my first girlfriend but then I couldn't hit the curveball when I got Same to high school <laughs> and football then became my passion and so when when you become passionate about something and when it becomes your purpose and you try to walk in it you try to learn as much as possible about that business so for me it was learning about secondary and offense and what people call plays. And so I like to call it the psychology of a football player. Mm. I understand what makes a great player. See, at, at a time when I was playing, I only wanted to be around you if you wanted to have a statue of yourself outside the stadium. Mm. If you didn't want a statue, you we ain't got nothing to talk about. Mm. Right. Say that again, dog. Like, it's, it's, the, it's the expectations of, like, 
I need to know if you're trying to be something if I want to yeah. deal with you. It's the standard. And 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 I, I understand as I've gotten older, you know, from getting fired from coaching and some of the stuff, you understand that some of the stuff is political and they tell you who to play. But people play the game for all kinds of reasons. Some people play for money. Some people play for fame. Some people play because it's easy. Some people play because they want to get all the women they can get. Some people play because they want their name on the stadium so that they leave a lasting legacy. So you have to decide who those people are that want to be great. And those are the people that you try to influence. The people that are just trying to play for money, ain't nothing wrong with it. I mean, you got to make a living. And if you can make a living doing this, so be it. Um, Ain't nothing wrong with doing it for the women. Whatever your why is, your reason is, it's cool. But there was a time when I played where if you didn't want your name on the stadium, I didn't want you around me. And that that that's not all good. Sometimes the expect, expectation that you put on other people is unfair because everybody don't love it like you love it. Mm-hmm. Some people are doing it out of necessity. Yeah. Facts, facts. Well, you said you got your big uh, your little brother here, and uh, the reason he won number 51 is because of you. So this or that, who's the better number 51? Brian Cox. Peacocks. Or Tequils. Come on, man. You run. Peacocks. Run it. Let me tell you run something, it. man. Let run me tell it. you something. My man here, and I'm so proud of him, he's up for the Hall of Fame. What was that? Okay. If I don't cuss Tagliabue out, and if I don't do the stuff that I do, I make probably six Pro Bowls and probably four All-Pro teams. Right. I did it to myself. So there are consequences to your actions. Yeah. People don't bring my name up for the Hall of Fame, but put my numbers up. I was the first guy to make all pro at outside linebacker and inside linebacker. Not because Lil Mack has done it. Yep. And and the boy from Green Bay. Khalil Mack made it, both of them in the same year. But I was the first one to do that. Mm. I had three Pro Bowls with Miami, and I changed for positions from outside linebacker to middle linebacker because that's what the team needed. Mm. Unselfish, man. Team player. And unfortunately, some of the media people that vote for this award will never do it because they weren't big fans of Brian Cox. And I'm cool. And maybe I'm just shy of the Hall of Fame. I don't know. But you check my numbers and you check what I did. Ask the people that played against me. They'd be like, that motherfucker can play. And I played 3, 4, 10 of my 12 years in the league. What nobody protecting me and taking on no blockers and doing I was hitting guards every play. Mm-hmm. Three, four defense, and so, baby. At the end of the day, I stand behind my numbers. And if I don't make the Hall of Fame, I ain't gonna lose no sleep. I mean, I think people appreciate the way I played. Yeah. No, nah, we definitely appreciate I, I obviously <laughs> I appreciate the way that you play. Reminiscence of five one. But you look at your career after the fact, still this or that, you got 20-plus years in the league. Mm-hmm. So, do you prefer playing or do you prefer coaching? Coaching. Why? There are so many young men, black and white, that grew up without money or understanding the value of money that need help navigating an NFL career. Now, I made a couple mistakes and I made error where I was too hard on guys who I saw their career taking off and they didn't believe it. And I was too hard on them. And I didn't let them breathe. I kept my thumb down on them. And the one that come to mind is Rasheed Hegman. Hegman, Could have been any kind of player. And I blew it. I screwed it up because I knew that the guy came from a broken home and was adopted by some white parents. And every male besides the adoptive dad that was in his life walked away from him. And instead of me being a little more patient or being a little bit more um, responsive, I let him get me so hot at times that it got me out of my character. And it really changed the relationship and probably the reason, one of the big reasons why I got fired from Atlanta. But there are so many kids, or not kids, young men, that I've been able to show that want to be great and that want to learn 
here's how you do it, and here's how you navigate off the field. Because to me, right now, the biggest threat is coming from off the field because guys don't understand how to manage their lifestyle. Mm. They don't understand that putting money into your body is really important because if I can put $100,000 into my body and make $25 million, that's a no-brainer. No-brainer. You'll be amazed at how many guys won't spend the money on their body, but they go to the strip club and spend $5,000 a night. Mm. It makes no sense. So I get more gratification out of helping those young men than I do from what I ever did on the field. New FanDuel Fantasy players, your day is about to get 20% better. Start playing fantasy this football season and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500. That's a big time bonus and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit. What are you waiting on? The reason why I love FanDuel so much, I get an opportunity to set my lineups every game day. I can also play private contests with my personal friends. And you have many different formats, main slate, single game, best ball, and also a snake draft. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com BTM to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash BTM. Age and location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. The knowledge just pours out, man. I think, obviously, for our audience that doesn't know it, you know, your, your background from, from East St. Louis, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but me going there, I've been there one time. <laughs> and won't go back. One, one time and one time only. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the crazy part, it was a. Uh, I think St. Louis kind of closed early, so right across the river, they was like, "Go to East St. Louis, you can keep it going." Mm-hmm. I was one of the guys spending the money in the strip club early in my career. <laughs> I, so when you played the Rams, that's what you did, right? Dummy went to the strip club, <laughs> right? So I Pink go. Slip. I think it was, yeah, it had like the neon lights and all of that. Pink. Soon as you, so I went there, but my dumb behind, I, I, I got my. Uh, you know, my starter kit, my iced out New York Yankee piece on, right? So I go over there. I'm like, I'm from, you know, I'm from Southside. I'm cool. I go over there. They're like, yo, you don't want to do that East St. Louis. So I get up there, start looking real sketchy. I tuck my chain. I had one drink and left, bro. I ain't spent no money but for the drink. But what? what is it? I swear. And you know me. I'm, I'm going to try to shut the spot down. You know what I mean? Last man standing. But I guess, what is it about the aura of East St. Louis and... and what did that city contribute to your upbringing in terms of how you approach the game on the field? Everything. Everything. Um, East St. Louis is not unlike any inner city in America right now. It's tough everywhere. When I was growing up, you either had to learn how to fight or you had to learn how to run. I couldn't run, so I learned how to throw these hands. <laughs> so I can throw these hands with the best of them now. So, uh, but... We got we got a couple mantras that we go by. You know, we call ourselves the city of champions. When you you roll off any sport, you can name somebody from East St. Louis. Whether you start with Jackie Joyner Kersey or whether you go to Lafonso Ellis or Shelby Jordan or uh, Kelly Winslow Sr. or um, 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 Homer Bush in baseball, you get the basketball, you get – I already mentioned Lafonso Ellis, but uh-huh. James Harris, who played for the Vikings and the Raiders, who went to Temple and played for uh, Jim Chaney on the basketball scholarship. Uh, myself, you get to looking at even even you get into the old school. You talk about uh, Jimmy Connors went to East St. Louis tennis great. Nobody would ever uh-huh. think that, but never would have known right. that. I didn't know that. You, you wouldn't know that, but it's it's like that city. You know when you when you look at uh, LeBron James when they did the little 89 blocks. Mm-hmm. It's only 89 blocks in that city. And there's a wealth of talent come out of there. It's the city of champions. And I'm going to go on record as saying this again because I, I really believe this to be important. I don't make it out of there if it's not for the school teachers, if it's not for the coaches who poured into me. Uh, my high school coach, uh, Bob Shannon, we didn't lose a game during my high school uh, three years in high school because we started as sophomores and went. So we were 44-0. And, and the closest game I ever played was 13 to nothing. 
I wasn't even the best 22 players on my team my senior year. I got found because the scouts were coming to look at everybody else. And fortunate, fortunately for me, just blessed, man. Um, but there are so many good people that poured into me in that community. Unfortunately, as we know, there are a few bad people and the bad always outweigh the good. And so it was a community approach to uh, raise me. It's changing now because so many people are trying to escape and move move out because of uh, because of what they think it is. But man, there's no place like home. Right. You didn't. You had to hide your chain. I wouldn't have to hide my chain. Listen, I was smart though. I was, <laughs> yeah, ain't gonna get me. I'm cool with that. Like, you know a lot of dead cowards. <laughs> a lot of dead tough guys. Yeah. Oh, what you gonna do? Nah, yeah. Won't see me. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be dumb tough, right? Hell no. <laughs> right. Hell no. Right. A dead tough. He was. He was. He was really tough. Yeah, but he did. He did. <laughs> they going to do, do an East St. Louis with a Yankee chain, yo. Like, come on. <laughs> they ain't going to rock right. <laughs> they going to wear it, though. Oh, yeah, they'll wear it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, man, you talk about so many moments, so many great experiences that you, uh, you went through that really molded you as a man and as a person. I want to talk about some of the experiences that you had while you were NFL. So what's the best moment that you had while you were in the NFL on and off the field? Best moment, I got two. One where Dan Marino broke Fran Tarkenton's record for passing yards in a career. I think it was 43,000 or something. I could remember being down in Miami and giving him a hug after he broke that milestone. That was really important because um, we made it to three AFC championship games in my five years in Miami, and we could never get over the hump of beating Buffalo. Dan Marino is hands down the best quarterback that I've ever seen play this game, regardless of Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, don't matter to me. He lost a lot of games, 38, 34, 31, 28, and he had no running game, and I was on the defense, and our defense wasn't great. Huh. Ain't even close. You can, you can talk Tom Brady. I was teammates with Tom Brady. Uh, you can talk uh, uh, Peyton Manning, played against Peyton Manning. I got a winning record against Peyton Manning. Wasn't scared to play against him. But Marino and Elway and those groups, tough. And then my other um, – my other on-field thing would be winning the Super Bowl in New England, that first Super Bowl, because we beat the St. Louis Rams, my hometown team. We were 10 or 14-point underdogs. I don't even remember. And I can remember saying on ESPN during the interview that week, I wouldn't trade places. I don't want to be on the Rams. Um, I just felt good about our preparation, how we went into the game. That was good. Off the field, uh, being nominated for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year uh, for my team. Because really, if you don't reach out to your community and try to help people that are less fortunate than you, and you have all the means to be able to change somebody's life, um, shame on you. Um, You got to be willing to give and do because somebody – Somewhere along the line, did and gave for you. Right. Give back. Definitely. And that's kind of hard to believe. Now we're going back to the media side of how they painted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I You're didn't the know same. That. D- I, like, I, I, I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we take pride in making sure that we yeah, cover yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. This coming from the same dude that flipped the ref off. You gave him the middle finger. Right. Came right. from <laughs> the same dude who. who who said about the Buffalo fans that, correct me if I'm wrong, women are big and the Men dudes are, are uneducated, something like uned- that. Something, something like that. You're right, I said that. <laughs> so, but that was in the heat of battle. That was like 20 years ago. So right, I, right. I, I kind of, I've but, taken it back since I've gotten older. Which you have, and that's the that's the point of me bringing that up because I think one thing. Walter Payton Man of the Year, even even if you're nominated for it and you do not win it, that is the most prestigious award that you can receive as an NFL player, way higher than a Super Bowl ring. 
most prestigious award that you ever can receive because it speaks volumes about what you care about outside of the game. Yeah. And so I salute you for that. I I, I, I thank you. But I, I cherish that more than I cherish my Super Bowl ring. It's uh, This is 21. We won the Super Bowl in 20. So it's coming up on 20 years. I probably won my Super Bowl ring 15 times. Typically I wear it when I do a job interview of some sort. But that Walter Payton Award means more to me because it means that I cared about my community. I cared about my people. Um, doing something was important when I had a voice to be able to say uh, they not hiring black coaches or whatever my voice was or to go do after school program with kids or go talk to juveniles in the prison system or in um, the county jail in whatever city I was playing. So it's just, it's, it's practicing caring. And in this environment that we're in right now, it's a whole lot of not caring. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to get back to <clears throat> taking care of each other because at the end of the day, you know, as minorities, as black folks, we got to look out for each other because ain't nobody looking out for us. Indeed. Ain't Facts. nobody looking out for us. And so, you know, if there is a black grocery store in your neighborhood, Go spend your money at that grocery store. You know, we the only community that don't put the money into our community or back into our community. And, you know, so kids don't understand the value of money and owning a business and taking care of your property and doing those types of things because they don't see it. You know, we'd rather somehow we think the white man's ice is colder than the black man's ice. It's the same cold. Go buy from that brother. Cold is cold. <laughs> go, go buy from that brother. And I'm not saying it to be racist or divisive or anything. I'm just saying it's time that we stand up in our community. And we got to start because nobody else is, is doing it. We got to start voting our interests. And, like, we allow people to separate us from the Asian group and from the Mexican group or the Latino group. And yet, they're test cases. So we see when they treat the Latinos bad from coming over the border and what they do to them, now we see how they're treating the Haitians. Yeah. We're all the same. Quit letting them separate us. Yep. Let's come together and vote people that look like us in because otherwise the people that's in office right now trying to stop you from voting. And they don't have your interests at heart. They Bottom line. They ain't got your interests at heart. This segment is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965, which takes me back to my childhood years playing Pop Warner football. We were playing for the championship and we were down at halftime. Our coach was looking for something motivational. So what did he do? He looked at us and said, guys, if you do what you're supposed to do and win this football game, I'm taking everybody to McDonald's. Immediately, my mind went to, oh my goodness, I can't pass up this apple pie. So what did we do when our second half? Beat the football team, won the championship, and we all indulge at McDonald's. Ba -da 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 -da. I'm loving it. No, I, I totally agree, bro. And I think um, that's why I took it upon myself. You know, a, a lot of guys, man, I, and I, I think the the main message that I can pull from it to tell everybody else is plenty of ways that you can contribute right. to change. Mm -hmm. Like you don't necessarily have to be the person as the spokesman going out there. Right. You can be the person behind the scenes mm -hmm. who are handling the logistics. Mm -hmm. Not one person is more important than each other, than the other than person the right. in the mission. Yeah. And I think once we understand that, and you see how it comes together, then you get the result that you want. I think about, it's no different than looking at, I give you a simple example, FedEx, uh, UPS. Man, these guys pick up packages from all over the United States. The world. The world. But you look at what they've been able to do from a supply chain management and the logistical side, 
they bring it all together. They ain't caring about um this person black, so he ain't gonna do the job. This person white, so he ain't gonna do it. Man, bottom line is this: I got a job to do. I'm gonna make sure I do it, and we don't get these packages over here to damn Russia if you if that's where they if need to go. go. So nah, I, I I totally feel you, bro. I want to move on to. You said something about the coaches, and we spoke mm-hmm. about some of the legendary coaches in your playing days, Mike Shula, Bill Parcells. Not Mike Shula, Don, Don Shula. Don Shula, I'm sorry. Say Mike because he didn't know Mike the is the son. Mike well, is the son. Right. He that's was up in city. Yeah, he's the son. <laughs> but Don Shula, Bill Parcells, Bill, Bill Belichick, what did you learn from each coach as a player that really helped you out and also in coaching too as well? Oh, Don Shula, I learned manhood and accountability. Like he he didn't necessarily baby guys. He treated you as a man, and if you made a mistake, he held you accountable for it. Uh, really appreciated that. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't give him more gray hairs in his head because of some of the things that I was doing. But when you got a guy that has your back literally there's nothing you wouldn't do for. You'd run through a wall, you'd try to move heaven and earth to please that guy. And I wanted to do everything to please him. Bill Parcells, the biggest thing I learned from him on the field was the first time I got there in the preseason, the guy hit me in the back of the head in Chicago. And I was just coming from Chicago when they cut me. He challenged me to say, you want to retire having been cut from the worst team in the league. He knew that that would bother me uh-huh. and bother my, my my competitive spirit. But the thing that happened was after he saw the guy hit me in the head, I came to the sideline. I said, put me back in there because I'm going to whoop his fucking ass the next play. <laughs> <laughs> he said, listen, he said, I don't need you to do that. I'll take care of the team. I don't need you to yell at anybody. I don't need you to get in no fight. He said, let me handle that. You just go out and play. And that allowed me to have people to see me in a different light in my second stint in the NFL. Because after the Chicago deal, I was ready to quit. Him and Belichick together allowed people to see me differently and think differently about me. Belichick has won all the Super Bowls doing everything that Bill Parcells installed. It's the same program. Mm. Nothing changes from it except you got a little more personality in Parcells than you do Belichick. Belichick, the smartest coach uh, in in the NFL by a lot, and he and he knows every rule there is to know, and he pushes it all the way to the edge. So you smart and you push it to the edge. Some people say over the edge, mm-hmm. um, cheating, but. When you when you that smart and you can you you know the rules and you can push it, you hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Now, those will be three Hall of Fame coaches when it's all said and done. The only person that I know played for four Hall of Fame coaches or more than my three will be Eric Green. And two of them he played for Belichick. I mean he played for Parcells and Shula, but he also played for Chuck Knox Ch- and Bill yeah, Cowell. Knox, so yeah. he got four Hall of Famers on his resume. <laughs> And I'd be looking for stuff like that. Okay, I got three Hall of Famers. I don't know about else to play for three Hall of Famers. Damn, Eric Green. Wow. Heavy. Chuck Thanks Knox, too. Chuck Knox and Bill Cowboy. The legend Chuck Knox. Yeah. Amazing. I don't know. You, you referenced that cheat, man. I just... Can I go behind the mask? Absolutely, sir. With BTM, you already got the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember we uh, we played. I was with the Panthers. We played the uh, the Pats in the Super Bowl in '04, and we had a walkthrough during the season during the uh, the week. And I was just wondering, like we, the coach uh, uh, Foxy John Fox was telling us, like, yo, make sure you throw all your, you know, the game plan out and all of that, because when, mm-hmm. you, when you're in the Super Bowl, you could play at like a a college team, so I think we we're like University of Houston or something like mm-hmm. that. But for some reason, it was somebody in the in the uh, in the skybox that wasn't with us. Mm-hmm. And they was like, "What's going on? We don't know what's going on." One of the damn young players left like some of the game plan in the in the trash. Yo, came back, it wasn't there. 
Mm. Neither were the people in the booth. Mm. So I don't know. I, you know, I, we, I, it, I don't it, know. And, and I would, you know, we low on the total pole when you play it, so yeah. you don't know what's going on. But that's that was the allure of what happened. Like well, something ain't right. Well, this is what I do know from from being there. That wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> and no, no, that wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. Because what happened was... It's our fault, huh? No, no. <laughs> it's your, it, it's it, your it, fault! It's your Why fault. you got... You I didn't leave it. it. I didn't leave it. Right. But, but <laughs> one, of, one of the things that came out from the Spygate and all that situation when I was coaching for the Jets with Eric Mangini when that whole thing went down. And what Eric Mangini used to say was, don't leave anything yeah. in your room at the hotel because the hotel's on either on payroll or they'll do whatever mm-hmm. that the Patriots want them to do. And they're notorious for the fire alarm going off about 3.30, 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. You there for a home game, fire alarm going off in the hotel. Random. So you got to get out. Just random. Right. Yeah. And you standing up, but you got to play at 1 o'clock and they done woke you up at 4. So while you standing up outside, somebody up there scanning the them getting PDF. <laughs> so your playbook, they, they don't these need are it. the top five that we're going to get. They don't need uh, PDF. Ernie, Ernie, um, the guy that just retired. Ernie, I can't call his last name right now. But Ernie in my opinion, was probably the second most important person there because he had a photographic memory. He could look at something. He could tell you word for word what he wrote in the sixth grade uh, poem or what he wrote in a sixth grade letter to a girl and the girl wrote back. He he said it one time and he got it. He can tell you everything on the sheet. So they didn't need a scanner. They just like, Ernie, <laughs> Ernie, Ernie, He was the scanner. Was Ernie looked at it and he got it. <laughs> Same thing with you go there to play uh, on Sunday. And you know how coaches go upstairs before the game to leave their stuff in the press box and go back mm-hmm. down. You can go up there and that thing, one in two minutes, you look at that thing and he tell you everything else. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I was like, I still don't understand why some coaches use signals to the DBs or whatever because Ernie would look at the signal and he could tell you, he could tell a quarterback through Belichick with his headset, hey, expect cover one here. Expect a blitz. Blitz coming here. Because he knew what the signals meant. Like, that, that's what they missing with him gone. Like, he was, he was the real important ingredient that nobody really talked about. That's like old boy from Hangover when he went to the casino and just populate all the numbers in that's, it. That's him. I mean, that's, that was Ernie. Ernie could do that, man. Ernie, Ernie, and he was with Bill all the time up until this year. He just retired. Yeah. Man, man. Listen, man, this segment is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Um, and water. And water. And water. <laughs> vodka water. <laughs> Yo, let me ask you, man. What's the biggest difference from... Uh, being coached when we played and coaching a, this generation of players now? Uh, I'm going to use the word cutify. Too many coaches cutify because you you go and you say... They, they cutify. Right. They, they, they say, well, they different than us. They're not different. When you want to be great, when you want to be really good and excel at your sport... You don't need to cutify them. All you need to do is throw a ball out there and say, go get it. You ain't got to teach a puppy how to hunt. Mm-hmm. The puppy going to hunt. And when he get full grown, he going to hunt. But if that puppy don't bite when he a puppy, he sure as hell ain't going to bite when he a full grown dog. <laughs> he ain't going to bite. That's, that's the difference, man. It's like too many coaches are afraid of the players. Like you got to understand the psychology of a, of a player. Too many coaches, especially the ones that have never played, I'm not saying that you have to have a prerequisite to be a good coach, but what I am saying is the guy that's never played, he come out there and tell me to look at something, and I'm looking at him like, you out your damn mind. I'm not doing that. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a bunch of coaches out there right now that are bad coaches. And, you know, to me, 
coaches are like teachers, man. You gotta you gotta motivate, you gotta educate, and you gotta show them love. Yeah. And sometimes the show them love part for me was always hard because I wanted cats that were like minded, like me. I matured a little bit in the in the five years that I haven't worked to say that it's okay that if you won't don't want to be like me. But as long as you're doing your job, we'll get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, like I said, they play for different reasons. Yeah. It ain't always about being great. Sometimes it's about just I want to get my ten years in the league. Don't want to get hurt. I really don't want no concussion, so I ain't gonna hit nobody. Let me try to skate. You know, it's Which a lot that of, that just chap your ass. Oh man, it's some business decisions. Yeah, like you know, like the guys that the guys like the thing that killed me is these guys that go and they're they're playing coverage these DBs, and the guy missed the ball. The ball was overthrown by ten yards, and they get up and doing the. Hey, no, no catch, yeah. incomplete, dude. If the ball was thrown anywhere in the vicinity, your ass was burnt. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I, I can't. To me, the celebrations, I can't. Yeah. Like, if I could change one thing, the celebrations. Like, like you just did your job. What, did, what the hell are you? What, like, what's all that? Yeah. Like, you acting like a bitch. That's a female <laughs> tendency. You know what I'm saying? Would you get nah, your ass back in the huddle and let's go? Nah, because I mean, at the end of the day, because you were known as a physical talent, mm-hmm. like a physical specimen who came in, and if you didn't whoop their ass, you intimidated them to the point to where they were defeated mm-hmm. before you even went up against them. Was there ever anybody you went up against who intimidated you or made you question, like, all right, like, maybe I need to reevaluate some things? Yeah, a couple times. Probably, probably from a physical, from a, from a, let's start non-physical first. From a non-physical standpoint, Barry Sanders, best player mm. I've ever seen. Mm. They could talk Emmitt Smith and that debate all the hell they want. It ain't even close. Yeah. Barry Sanders, I feared because he could make you look foolish two, three, four times and you get an assist the fifth time he come around. Like, he was that special of a player. I played against him, so I... I, um, I Emmett was a good back, but I put the asterisk on it because he ran behind the best offensive yeah, line in football. And during that time, he had to make one person miss who was the safety most of the time. Barry made 11 out of 11 miss most of the yeah, time. Yeah, he did. So, so that, that, that thing, from a fear standpoint... As I said before, when I when I left to go to the Jets to play against uh, Miami, Marino could do that because he could throw the ball like nobody else. The only other two people that could throw the ball like that during my generation of playing, Warren Moon, Marino, mm-hmm. and Elway. Them three could mm-hmm. spin it. And Elway – didn't win anything until late in his career when he had a thousand yard rusher and they were able to, you right. know, do some things yeah. differently. But I'm telling you, man, Marino was that guy. From a from a physical standpoint, the only guy that made me think well, there were two people on the same team, Larry Allen <laughs> and Eric Williams. I hit Larry Allen one time and everything in my body from my neck to my toes was tingling by the time I got to the huddle. And they ran the same play the next day, and I had to hit them again. The big homie. And, and the business decision was, you're going to feel me. Like, I don't know if he felt me or even know who I am, but I put everything I had in him, and I was tingling still. <laughs> and, and Eric Williams, I hit one time his rookie year. I ran into him, and I went back to the huddle, and I was concussed, and I asked my buddies, who do I have? We call the man-to-man coverage. Who do we have? You got the running back. Okay, where he at? He right there. I'm looking at him. My eyes glazed. I'm concussed. You got the guy. He going in motion. I don't see no motion. I got him. I got him. You take him. I'm talking about those two guys on the same team when they were in Dallas. That line was the most dominant line I've ever played against or seen. They can talk about the hogs all they want to. Them it should be four Pro Bowlers in that group or four Hall of Famers in that group. Yeah, Larry Allen, 
Eric Williams, uh, uh, probably Nate Newton. No, Nate wouldn't be there. Stepnoski probably because of how smart he was, he only weighed 260. Yeah, he like, was he was that was crazy. He was back pretty then. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, two not two else, two else. So what was his name? Two and a two and a two and two and a right. He was he was that deal too now. And then when Nate left, when Nate left, and they put Kevin Gogan in there. Kevin Gogan grabbed me one time and said these steroids working today aren't I couldn't move my what? feet off the ground. I couldn't move. That one had me up in there. That line, man, was, was ab- oh, Gogan man. was the biggest prick of all time. Oh, man. All of them were pricks, though. Right. But, like, all they ran was power, so you had to hit mm-hmm. one of them. Larry Allen was the best tackle, the best guard God, I've ever yeah. played against. You can put him in any position. Name somebody better. Eric Williams was before the accident. Just nasty. Before yeah. he got hurt, the only person I ever seen make make uh, 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 the minister cry. And that's Reggie White. He's holding up. He's holding. Get your ass back over there. <laughs> Get your ass back over there. Dog. Dang. Black College, HBCU. Mm-hmm. Dog. Before he got in that accident, he was a dog. dog. That's what Hugh Next. Douglas said. When you had uh, Hugh Douglas on, he said the same thing. He said he made him want to go back to the locker room and put some weights <laughs> in his pants because he wasn't heavy enough. <laughs> dog. Hey. Eric Williams ain't going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he should be. Should be, yeah. That's a fact. That's you a know, Tournay probably is a Hall of Famer. Gogan is probably a Hall of Famer just based on his Dallas and San Francisco so, years. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like. I don't know who votes on this Hall of Fame thing, but something screwed up somewhere. Because if you ask some players, it's some guys that 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 you played against that you be like, man, this guy was better than that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the hell they thinking. Yeah, and it's like, I it was a little running back that played for Tampa, had a Jerry curl. I think his name was Anderson. He was number twenty two or something. He was kind of tallish. Man, he was one of the best running backs I ever played against. Mm-hmm. But Nobody would ever talk about it. Yeah. Dog. He go out there and get you in that pass route and he give you the business. You'd be like, what the hell is this? So we got that one on one motion. No. <laughs> Simple, smooth, and every sip as easy as the last. Tito's handmade vodka tastes just as good with tap water as it does with your favorite mixer. Back in the day, Tito distilled, hand bottled, taste tested, sent to a few friends, then taste tested again to give you the finest juice around. No frills, no flavors, no fancy labels, just the good stuff. Just Tito's. For recipes, videos, and more, visit titosvodka.com. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. If you could rewind your career and um, if there was anything that you could do different as a player, what do you think that would be? Uh, That I could do different. Um, I, I, there are a number of things that I do differently because with maturity and with growth, you see things in a different light. Mm. Like, I think I was an awesome teammate. If you ask most of my teammates, they'd say that was a real good dude. That was a, a dude. But I put my teammates in bad predicaments. I got so many of them fine money and I got so many of them in trouble because what people don't realize is like I wasn't fighting on the field with the cameras and all that shit. Mm. I go to people bus after the game. <laughs> ain't no cameras out here, dog. Let's get it. What you want? Ain't no you cell ain't no cell phones with the cameras back like, then either. Right. I go I go sit on the fence by people's cars like, what's up? You said you want to do something. I remember I was in in uh Indianapolis I was playing against uh, the Colts, and I was with the Dolphins, and they had a center by the name of Kurt Laudermilk. Um, he was a prick. He was an asshole, if you ever seen him. The guy used to wear, like, the fingers cut out in his gloves, and he let his fingernails grow, and he tried to dig in your eyes. He was outside one day. Me and him got into it in the game. He was outside with his daughter. He was holding his daughter. I took a swing at him while he had his daughter in his hand while he was walking to his car. I'm like, dude, if we going to do it, let's do it. I mean, I ain't bought all that old fake stuff and all that old 
cold you know, blooded stuff. Let's go. <laughs> Same thing when I got into it with um um who's the linebacker? Joey Porter. Mm-hmm. I went and sat on right, I, said, yeah, I went and sat on Joey's old school and him, his wife, and his kids come walking out. I said, We got a problem, but we're gonna fix smoking a cigar sitting on his old school. <laughs> like, what we gonna do? That's like, why everybody was scared of you, man. No, but it's like it's like it is 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 you gotta handle stuff as a man. And like my dad didn't teach me a lot. Loved him to death. I had a dad and a stepdad. My dad was good, my stepdad was good. But my dad, the thing that he said to me that made the most sense ever in my life was you as a man don't have to let anybody wonder what you think. You tell them what you think and you stand on it. And so that's how I kind of grew up. I tell you I don't like you and I don't fuck with you. Don't come around me. I mean, I don't fuck with you. Don't come around me. You my dog, we riding. Something go down, we going down together. Like, excuse me, in my neighborhood, if we get in a fight and you don't fight, guess what? You getting jumped. We beating your ass when we get back. (laughs) That's real. That's real. Real talk. And, and, And the way I learned how to play football, football was a fight 76 times. You just yeah. got in 76 fights. Yep. You know? And so it became the same thing for my team. It was like, you together, you go fight some dudes. At the end of the day, it's like we in the game. We got our colors on, you got your colors, we mm-hmm. fight. Here we go. Yeah. That's how I learned to play the game. You talk about, you know, the one thing that your pops told you from manhood, being able to stand up to the fact and say, look, we're men. Let's address it as so. You have a son in the league, Buffalo. What is it like not only having a son pursue that dream of being in the NFL, uh, but also knowing that he was under the influence of you, knowing that if my pops play, I want to kind of get a taste of this too to make my own journey. So how did that make you feel? Yeah, let me let me let me say this. Probably start out. Um, what made me a good football pl- player made me a poor dad in a lot of ways. So me and my son are just getting close now. I've been in this life his whole life, but like the selfishness and the competes and some of those things kind of hindered our relationship. And so it wasn't until he got grown and he could express himself. Because when he was little, if he'd say something, I'd punch him in the chest or I'd, you know, do something. But I'm just proud of the fact that he's on his own journey and he's learning. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't be any more proud. The biggest thing I'm proud is that he graduated college. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that with the football thing, he's vested as an NFL player. That's important. Live your life. Live your journey. I live my life. You know what I'm saying? I just wish that uh, because I was probably an obstacle when he was young, he felt like he couldn't come to me and talk to me because I was going to be rah, 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 rah in your face, that he would have listened to me earlier because I've been telling him stuff since he was in high school. He went to high school at St. Thomas Aquinas with Joey Bosa. If he'd been listening to me on some of the stuff that I'd been talking about earlier, in his career, he'd be more advanced now. But the light just starting to come on. So I'm excited to see uh, what happens in his career, and I'm just proud of the fact that he's just moving, man. He's just doing his thing. Before we let you get up out of here. You know, we can talk to business, man. We can talk <laughs> shop, man. Whatever you want to talk. Yeah, no, nah, no. I'm, nah. I'm giving you the open floor. Whatever nah, you want to talk. No, nah, no. Nah. It, it's real, though, because, like, shit, I, you know, I don't have a son. I got a daughter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Love her to death. Um, at some point, I, I would like to have a son, but I, I think you the dynamic. You ain't gonna have no I more kids. I think the dynamic he is good, that. though, bro. That. I like for real. Yeah, he he said that all the time. He's told I me do, that for though, years. Though, you I, are not gonna have another kid. Why you think? Based on talking to you, the experience you went through with your baby's mom the first time, you don't want that no more. <laughs> See, but that's that's part of. It's part of like. As much as I want to say, oh, man, my baby mama this, my baby mama that, you can't get trapped unless you fulfill your 50% side of the bargain, too. 
So what you saying? You can't get set up unless you set? No, I'm saying I had some issues too. Mm-hmm. So now looking at it, now that I'm older, mm-hmm. I would entertain the opportunity to have a little son, a little five one running around. You 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 make a great dad, but because because and I, because we are starting to deal with our demons, like. Football is a hard sport. People don't want to talk about it. The NFL is starting to do some things to help former players because I'm having some memory stuff. I'm having some issues uh, with anger. Like, I get mad fast. Like, I go from, like, what to, like, real, like, confrontation. And, you know, those things at a young age don't facilitate you as a young person man or person to seek help. Now at our advanced stages, we like, hey man, I'm going to Cleveland Clinic to get this done. I'm going to use the trust to get this done. I think those um, those uh, incidences where we can go and seek help with counseling or whatever, I think that would be good. I think you'd make an amazing father doing that because you've allowed yourself to mature and you've yeah. allowed yourself to grow and you've allowed yourself to uh, put yourself in a place where not only success has been uh, imminent, but the way that you kind of moving now is different than what you were when you were younger. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. 1,000%, bro. And like the way that you move now is totally different. And you understand more. Mm-hmm. Like you understand. Yeah. Like I really felt when you was talking about you trying to tell BJ certain things when he was a younger age and he probably didn't receive just because of the tone that how it came out and because of it was you saying it. Right. And who I, you were. Who yeah, you are. Who, you, yeah. who you were, who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It don't make no fucking sense at all. <laughs> you would think your kids was like, yeah. okay, if my daddy went through it, he's successful and he telling me the way I should do it. They do the complete opposite, yeah. which chaps my ass. All the time. But why? Here's the beauty of it, though. So it's all perspective. A lot of times, they do the complete opposite because they don't want to be you. Mm. They want to have their own identity. Yeah. And especially for your daughter, she ain't trying to hear nothing you talk about. But that's what it was. Right. But they, they are afraid or they don't know how to tell you, I'm not trying to be you. Right. Right. And I felt like I don't want you to be me, but yes, I, I got. <laughs> I want you to be like self-sufficient. You know Yo, what I'm saying? The, the, the hardest conversation I had with my two daughters were they told me you always want me to be the best at this, so I feel like I got to be the best at this sport or the best in these grades, the best in it. Things like, but you were a professional athlete. You were that one percent. You were the best. Mm-hmm. So how can we live up to that? And I was like, shit, I don't want y'all to live up to me. I want y'all to be the best you. You can be. That's it. That's and all you I can think, ask. I think to your point, you were saying earlier, I was sitting here thinking like, yeah, when you when you say that in your 20s or your 30s, but that selfishness is not because of what you want to do. It's because what's innate in you from playing football so long and what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Football takes so much of your life, so much of your time, so much of your attention to when you literally go home, if you don't have that, if you don't have that, that plug back in, the recharge, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. how guys get so stressed and upset because you're already getting depleted going out there going against 300-pound guys all day, physically, mentally. But that, that, not- did, that didn't deplete me, though, if I'm being honest. What depleted me is when the offseason came. I hated the offseason. Why you hated the offseason? Because during the season, I always, in my mind, pictured it like Marvin Hagler, I'm going to prison. And I was isolated. Wasn't out in the strip clubs. Wasn't doing anything wrong. Work, home, work, home. It was just that isolation. I that, that That's what made me tick. That's what made me happiest. The off season, I was sad because football is the only major sport that people show up in the off season for conditioning and all that. No other sport. I don't want to condition. I'm not a good conditioner. I'm 300 pounds come May or April. I, I didn't eat and I didn't live. Because during the season, it's so strict. 
where during the season, I'm 250 and I'm on it. When the offseason come, it means just that, off. I'm not doing shit. You I'm not working out. You can't train the camp. You said, man, I use training camp to get in shape. Right. Because <laughs> right. in my mind, I'm just tougher than you. I'm just going to beat your ass. Ain't yeah. nothing you can do about it. I don't lift weights. I lift it with the kickers. I don't lift weights. Which you didn't lift weights then if you lifted with the kickers. Right. Oh. But I lift your ass when we get on that field. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a mindset. It's amazing what you can do if you believe you can do it. Everybody laugh at me. I'm lifting with the kicker. I'll be over there with Pete Steinovich struggling with 135 pounds. We get on that field. Yeah, talk that shit now. Because now I'm dominating you and you've been in there benching 400 pounds. What, bitch? That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm telling them. I tell, oh, tell them cats, ain't nothing down there but grass and dick. What you looking at? <laughs> One thing I will say is... The thing that I appreciate about you, you call it how you see it, and if you're wrong, you'll say I'm wrong. And a lot, and it takes a takes a man. A, it takes a green giant, somebody bigger than a green giant, to be able to admit that. So I I, I want to propose this question to you because, and I say this not from a bias standpoint, but just like a quality standpoint. You bring so much to the game. You bring a lot back to the community serving the look the young men who come into the game. When are we going to see you? Or not even when, would you like to get back into the position to where you can coach where you can coach and to be able to help these young men get through some of these hurdles, regardless of whatever they've been through, and to share that insight to be able to help them become the best version of them. Yeah. I would I would like to coach again. Um, but the one of the hardest things is, as we spoke about earlier, so many of these coaches are so young now, I don't know any of these guys getting hired. Mm -hmm. And so what it's going to take for me to get hired is somebody that I have a history with, that I work with, that says, I know who this guy is. I'm not afraid of him. We worked together in the past. This is my family. Come on, let's go to work. You know, yeah. so... Hopefully that happens this year. Well, we pulling for you. Yeah, and, I appreciate it. And, Speaking into existence. And if they want to know what they going to be getting, what, what, like what value you bring to the table outside of the, the football knowledge? It's like I said, my biggest value is people trust me and I understand the psychology of a player. So troubled players I've helped in the past. Um, also, players that want to be great and – even now to the point where players that don't want to be great, I can help navigate uh, your lifestyle because there's a place for you in the league. I used to didn't want them in the league. I used to want to run them out of the league. But everybody don't have to love it like I love it. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with it. Like up until this year, I think in the last five years that I hadn't worked, I'd watch college football from – whenever it came on noon in the morning till night. And then Sunday I'd get up and I'd watch all the football games and all the highlights and I can tell you who's doing what, what player was best at what position. It's just my life. It's my purpose. So they can take the job away from me, but they can't take my purpose away. Right on. Yeah. That's I'm going to leave you bro. with them words right there. You're yeah. going to think yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dog, my dog, we appreciate you for coming on, bro. And uh, we don't, I have a strong feeling we don't revisit this conversation yeah, after you get hired. Don't get too big time and don't want to come back, though. Bro, I'm the one that sought you out after you asked me to be on for a month. Hey, man, you need to come on the show. You need to come on the show. I'm the one hit you up and say, dog, <laughs> I'm coming in on Wednesday and I'll be there until Friday. So this might be the best chance for you to get me. You, I sought you out. You did, but but you're going to have another job soon, so I'm going to hold you to it. So I'm glad you said that so we can hold your feet to the fire. Bro, you know, you ain't. first of all, whenever I come to town, I'm calling you to go play golf club of Georgia some more. And the second thing, when I come to town, you my dog, so we done reconnected now. So when I come to town, we're going to smoke cigars. We're going to go have a couple drinks. We're going to go eat. So it ain't like I think just the the – you know, when, when sometimes 
you feel like you by yourself, and then when you talk to old friends, it's just like y'all was just together yesterday. Oh, yeah. And that's and the, the true and, sign and, of friendship. And, and, and you think like-minded thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, people with like-minded thoughts, man, you always stay connected. So that's my thing, man. I just, you know, I value your friendship. I appreciate you. I'm happy as hell that you're getting a chance for the Hall of Fame. I hope you get there. You a finalist or how many people involved? How many? What uh, linebackers out? I think we got like nine linebackers. Who who are the linebackers? Honestly, I can't remember. I know myself, London Fletcher, Demarcus Ware, Patrick Pat, Willis, Zach, Zach Thomas in Miami. Porter, I think. No, not Porter because he's still coaching. I'm tripping. Nah. Porter ain't coaching. Jordan ain't coaching. Ain't coaching. I see him at the Suns game in uh, Michigan all the time. He'd be up there for the games. So, you and Pat Willis, so they're going to let Zach Thomas in, so we got to know that right now. They're going to let Pat Willis in. <laughs> they're going to let him in? Oh, they going to let him in. Why are they going to let him in? Because he played for Jimmy Johnson. He he got the numbers. You can't argue the numbers. Yeah. You know, but, but now, you know, Jason Taylor got in, and so Zach going to have to get in. And then I wouldn't be surprised if one of the cornerbacks got in. Uh, Out of Sertain and, uh, Sertain and, Sam, and, and Sam Madison. Madison, one of them going to go. And then you got you got Willis going to go in before you. But it's good that you're on the list. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. I, I, it might be some years, but I, I, I might get there. Huh? <laughs> I, we ain't going to even speak that. That's what, what I'm we, saying. Because you always said, yeah. watch what you say. So, yeah. I wanted to see if you was going to come back. He's true to his word. We ain't going to speak right. that. But there's it's some, some linebackers in there that you're going to be up against that they won't want, they going to want to be first ballot. So. And we ain't going to speak that you ain't going. It could be three linebackers. They could put you in there, too. But, you know, whatever it is, we're just going to be praying, man, that they keep your name out there flowing. And uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. We claiming that thing, man. Yes, sir. We claiming it. Boom. Two-time Reyes. In the Big sexy. <laughs> <laughs>